All right, I'm going to get started. It's morning where I am, uh, maybe afternoon or evening where you all are. Welcome to Weathering the Storm, certainly a topic that we are needing in today's uncertain climate. And as you know, DSCOOP's mission is to help our customers, help our members, help the print industry. So this is today's topic, how to help your business survive these challenging times. Just a few housekeeping notes. Today, Jay Mandarino is going to share with us some of his experiences and advice. As you may have read, he's been in business 40 years and has survived ups and downs and thrived. And I would like you to know that as he's speaking, we'll do some questioning for him and, and asking him to share, but please post your questions or comments in the chat. And as we wrap up in about 20 minutes, the presentation portion, Jay will answer as many of your questions as he can. If, uh, if you have additional questions or if you're watching today's recorded webinar, please post your questions to DSCOOP's collaborative forums. You can see the link right there, or you can email us at hello at dscoop.org. Our team is standing by, and we will try to answer your questions as quickly as possible. And Jay, let's get started. I'm going to stop, and welcome to you. And uh, as you all may have read about Jay, he is the president and CEO of CJ Graphics and the CJ Group of Companies. And that means he oversees the daily operations of 35 companies. His sales reach $40 million. And the companies are in Ontario, Canada. And they're in a quarter million square foot state-of-the-art facilities, including Jay's Passion, which he may talk about later, his nonprofit skate park. And it is the most award-winning printing company in the world. They've received over 6,500 awards. They're the first in the world to have received 22 Bennies in one year. They actually have 70 Benny Awards, which is one of the most prestigious awards in the world in the printing industry. And Jay was scheduled to speak to us about mergers and acquisitions at DSCOOP Edge Orlando. And he's still gonna cover that because he's quite an expert. He's done 36 of them in the printing industry. But he has tailored his talk and broadened it to help us understand from his perspective what are some of the things he's done over the years to survive times like these? What are some of the actions we can take as we have concerns about our team, our businesses, our customers? And today he's going to start with weathering the storm. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Ginger. Wow, it sounds so impressive sometimes. Anyway, thank you everybody for joining from whatever country and time zone you are. I know we are all living in unprecedented times right now, so I'm hoping that uh, we are gonna give some encouragement and some tips that will help you all. And as Ginger kindly said, please, at any time, if you have questions, I will answer anything. If you don't know me, I have a funny sense of humor, um, but I'm also serious, but I will answer any question. So I'm just gonna move over here. So just briefly, we have over 35 companies. As you can see from the slide here, everything from large format to 3D printing, to digital, to offset, to philanthropic, uh, ventures to software development and packages to magazines. So sort of everything and anything resol resolved around uh, printing. Um, we're just going to show a little, um, no, maybe we're not. <laughs> this is just a brief, a one minute uh, clip of our facility here in Toronto, Canada, um, which is interesting because I started from the basement of my parents' house and now we're in three buildings attached just under a quarter million square feet. So. Every time we go through and have tours, it's a little overwhelming. Of course, we have all our presses and plate making departments, 
large format equipment, letterpress, foil stamping, embossing. We have digital, we have uh, fulfillment and distribution. We have laser die cutting. We have uh, digital printing equipment, uh, embellishment equipment, uh, fulfillment, distribution. We even have our own printing museum and uh, it's pretty cool. And we have the world's largest indoor not-for-profit skate park. Some of our offices, we've been here for just under three years. We were in six locations before, and we finally put everything into one location, which has been a, a great for everybody. And every kind of equipment you can imagine from every manufacturer, we try to work with everybody. Holographic displays, we started building light boxes, of course, and uh, we have our virtual greeters, and there's our skate park, which is very quiet right now because it's closed. <laughs> as are most gyms and fitness facilities. But we're still printing, we're still mailing. Lots of opportunities right now for mail. I think one thing you'll notice is people always are happy, which I think is great when you've taken so many cultures together by merging so many uh, companies. And I'm sort of blessed by having an amazing team, which is great. So let's get down to business. So I just wrote a couple of things, which I thought was interesting because I've survived so many things for the past 40 years. Um, obviously, I wasn't in the Great Depression, but we had one of the worst recessions in 1981 to 1982. Then, of course, 9-11, which occurred in 2001. That was a horrific incident. And then the Northwest blackout, Eastern Seaboard, 2003. That was horrific, and I will share some stuff with that, which will relate to what we're going to talk about today. Of course, SARS, 2002 and 2004. And, of course, the financial crisis in 2008 where Lehman Brothers closed after 150 years in business, the bank collapsed, six billion in debt, and 25,000 people in shock and out of work. I mean, this is something that could have crippled the world, uh, but we all survived and got past that. Ebola in 2014, of course, it was interesting, a guide to the financial crisis came out two, 10 years later in 2018. And then of course now COVID-19, uh, which is facing us all started in 2019. So, you know, what's interesting when I looked at these things and there was no rhyme or reason, I just picked things that I'd gone through. It's interesting, you know, we have something that's materialistic and then we have, you know, a disease or an outbreak and each of these things almost alternate each time. So I don't know if that's a cycle or not, but I noticed that last night when I was putting this together. Um, but we've survived everything. So, I mean, I think that's the upside. I mean, we as humans have this amazing ability. So, and as printers and people in the community. Um, I wanted to share a couple of things because when I was talking to Ginger, I mean, this is really for all of you, not for us. It's not about me. It's about you and how we can help. And I think one of the great things about B-Scoop, if you're not familiar with it, is it, and I, and I wish I could go to more of them, um, but they're amazing because you've got everybody who has their own businesses with the same challenges and we're all sharing information. And I think that's amazing no matter what part of the world you are. So I give a shout out to D-Scoop and there's my plug for D-Scoop and uh, keep, keep posted and we'll, we'll talk. Now, you know, we've talked about different stories and, you know, when I was going through this, I realized probably the, the worst one, well, I mean, there's a couple, each one, but I think the one we learned the most from was the Eastern Seaboard. What was unique about that is that all of Eastern Canada, Eastern United States, we were shut down. We had no electricity. We had clients in our facility that flew up from the States for press approvals. Everything was shut down. Now, what was amazing through this whole process is we worked with other people in the industry to help do our work. And I think that's awesome how people came together and helped us out, our friends in the US, our friends in Western Canada. And we got through that. 
Um, now, what I learned through that was something that I never really thought of before because until you're in one of these situations, you don't know about it. So we had insurance. And during this shutdown, we actually had a break-in. And it was a horrific breakdown. Seven digits. People came in. They damaged stuff. They destroyed stuff. And I share this with everybody because I want everybody to know about this. And, and maybe you all do. And if you do, that's great. But I learned a term called coinsurance. I had no idea what coinsurance was. All I heard was that we might not be covered because of coinsurance. And I was going crazy. Like, what are you talking about? And this is a term that insurance companies can get out of covering you if you don't insure your equipment for the proper replacement value. So, for example, if you had a $3 million press and you only insured it for a million dollars, you could theoretically be canceled any coverage. So it's really important to insure things on what it costs to replace them. And this is really important because we had a piece of equipment that realistically was probably worth $10,000. But to buy a new one was $150,000 because they didn't make that machine anymore. And the closest one to it was that. So we were able to get by with that, but you know, a lot of people wouldn't. So I think you know, insurance coverage, business interruption, all these things are worth looking at. And also what we learned is they raised our rates incrementally. So over the years, what we've done is we've put a higher, um, a higher value to pay and to use it. So you know, if it's 5,000 or 10,000, we just absorb that ourselves because it's not worth taking the risk of all your insurance going up. And I think over the years with all these horrific things happening, you know, rates, insurance rates have just in the last year gone up 20 to 30%, which is a big number. And we all have lots of insurance. So that was something that we learned. Um, the other thing we learned that I think was unique was 9-11. Um, we had just, believe it or not, delivered the menus for the Windows restaurant. They were specially leather bound and there was some unique things to them that we did here. And they obviously went out of business. So we didn't get paid <laughs> because they were closed. So, you know, we looked at insurance for goods shipped out of our country. And, you know, some of you aren't doing that. Uh, initially, you had to insure all your receivables, but they're now more flexible. You can specifically uh, insure certain accounts. So certainly when we're shipping out of a country, we look into doing that. Um, obviously, the insurance company or the insurer has a right to look at those accounts. They're not going to take extremely risky ones. And if they are, you're going to pay a higher premium. But... You know, I think that's one thing that uh, we sort of learned there. Um, and Jay, you mentioned to us yesterday that uh, one of the things you learned, uh, some tips were about uh, how you all perceive staff, the way you're managing staff even now. Uh, your, your strength is not to want to lay people off, but you had to make some considerations. Do you want to walk us through some of those tips that you shared? Nope. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a very emotional, I mean, we very rarely lay anybody off. We, we try to work with our staff, our staff or our family, just like I'm sure all of you. And the last thing in the world you want to do is lay somebody off. It's, uh, it's not a great feeling. And we have laid a third of the company off because, you know, the workloads are being reduced. Now, we meet with them in person. We remind them this is not a firing. We're not trying to get rid of them. Uh, it's just simply our clients are closing their businesses down and there's just not enough work to keep everybody going. So we're trying to be fair to everybody and do it by seniority. Obviously, in some cases, you need to keep certain machines going. So it, it's a tough decision and, and no one wants to do it, obviously. It's, uh, and, and we don't want to do it, but we have to do it. We're also doing it, we learned, because there was an incident years ago, that the system is going to get overloaded. Right now, you know, in Canada, we have unemployment insurance. 
and the government is stepping in and fast tracking it. So there's no wait period, which is great. But yesterday it went down six times. Today it's gone down 10 times. So I would strongly recommend, you know, if you're going to be doing this to try to group it up in batches because you got to have your record of employment information. You can download it directly onto the sites, whatever your country you're in. I'm sure everybody has similar things, but you don't want to just do one employee at a time. It's the same amount of work to do one or 20. So you want to, you know, do that at, at one time if you can. And, um, you know, get them ROEs if they need them, but you know, we can submit it online so they don't have to go there in person and fast track it because I have a horrible feeling that we're going to get more announcements in the next few days, weeks, who knows. And then you're going to have 60% of the country applying. That's going to be a possible overload. So get in there as fast as you can. And, and I recommend that. Um, and, and I think people are being understanding. We, we asked first, does anybody want to volunteer? You know, we had a lot of our younger people that wanted to stay home with their families. So that made that part easier. Um, and you know, maybe you can bank their hours and call them back as you need them because we don't know how long this is going to last. It could start up tomorrow. Um, there are going to be some opportunities, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which uh, I just think the sign is sort of funny. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you have these in your city yet, but I'm sure we're going to have them soon. This is actually in a real city. I won't say where it is, but yeah, you know, you, there's a zone for walking while you're talking on your phone. It's crazy. Um, so what's happening in the market? So in general terms, you know, new technology is coming all the time, probably too much. Um, I've consulted for many, many companies in their industry, whether that be a supplier or a printer. So I've got a lot of information I've learned from that because I've made many mistakes. Um, you know, ransomware, I'm sure everybody's familiar with, but what's now becoming more of an issue is cyber attacks and cyber insurance. And some of the requirements that if you're doing work for major corporation or banks are unbelievable and the cost are exponential and you know you have to figure out ways to do this um, the biggest challenges right now of course is securing investment um, our industry unfortunately has sort of been targeted uh, been a lot of closures and failures so it's a little harder to borrow money right now um, but at the same time interest rates are extremely low um, sorry <laughs> um, there's, as I said earlier, so many closures, uh, supply chain, you know, we have to be concerned about that. And of course, COVID-19 is causing all sorts of issues. Um, I just want to show a couple of growth areas here because I still think this is uh, important and still going to happen. Um, we are going to get through what we're going through now. I don't know if it's going to be a month, three months, six months. I mean, I've been on the phone with fellow printers all week trying to, you know, figure out what everybody knows and we don't know. We don't know what we don't know, right? I mean, I guess in hindsight, all the countries in the world should have just shut down everything for two weeks and that would have solved everything possibly. But there's so much we don't know about this uh, disease and it spread so fast. And, you know, I, I was on the way to work this morning and I heard about spring break in Florida and I couldn't believe it. These young people and I, and I heard them, you know, saying, well, you know, we waited for four months. We're not giving up, but you know, th th this is transmitted so fast in such a big group and now they're going to go somewhere else. And I, I don't know. I just think it's irresponsible. Uh, so I think, you know, even in our office, we're saying, you know, stay two meters apart, um, you know, keep your distance, uh, wash your hands, gloves, doors, leave your doors open so people don't have to keep touching door handles. We're cleaning every few hours. Um, I know these things sound crazy and they seem extreme, but, you know, this is a reality of what's happening. You're seeing how fast it's spreading in certain countries. So we have to take all these steps. They're hard decisions. 
Uh, running thicker substrates, always going to be things. Inkjet, of course, huge things. Uh, sadly, Drupa has been postponed. Now, I love the word they use, postponed, instead of canceled, because I think that's a positive way to say things. And I think we have to work on the positive words, not the negative words. I think that's so important. Large format, growing like crazy. Point of sale, retail signage, of course. Um, litho printing is going down. There's no doubt about it. People are printing less. Uh, 40 inch digital presses, of course, direct mail. And of course, the next new thing, who knows what that's going to be. And of course, object printing and water bottles, golf balls, t-shirts, bags, all that sort of auxiliary stuff where clients want you to handle it. Um, people really want one-stop shopping and I think you're going to see more of that. So it's good to get into these things. And the nice thing about water bottles and golf balls is there's a good markup on there. And it's not like you're competing against other people. People just want you to handle it. Um, now, I want to go back to direct mail here because this is something that I've just noticed in the last nine days. This is a huge opportunity for all of us because I think what's going to happen is, and we're seeing it already, is people, you know, all our office staff, all our admin people are counting. They're all working at a home. And, um, you know, they're getting antsy or they're getting the work done because there's not as many phone calls. So they've got extra time available. Um, and they're opening up things. And it's funny, our click rate has gone off the roof. Uh, we're getting returns on some of our campaigns we're doing for some of our compliance and they're giving us the feedback, which are like 70% versus 8%. I mean, these are huge numbers. Now, I wasn't sure about that. It sounds really high, but that's what they're telling us. So we phoned a few people. And one of the conversations I had yesterday was I was talking to one of our clients on a webinar. And she said, you know, Jay, that's interesting you said that because yesterday I read my manual on my refrigerator. Now, I would never read a manual on a refrigerator, but I've been running out of things to read. Um, there's less mail going through now. I think, and we've been certainly getting all our reps on the phones to share this information with our clients. What a great time to advertise and market because this is not going to last forever. So get that information out now because you're going to have a great chance of it being read. You know, we're inundated with emails and, you know, I'm sure we're all getting caught up now. Um, that's a positive, I guess. But, you know, we're so sick of being on the computer for so long. You know, we need to, it's nice to open up an envelope and read a letter. And I think you're going to see that coming back, which I think will be great for the printing industry. So that's some positive things. Remember that. Talk to your clients. Now is the time to advertise because retail stores are closing. We've got major chains closing across the country, across the globe, shutting down. So, you know, they need to be ready when we're going to be open again. So let's get that message out there. I think also you want to get the message of yourself. You know, we're here to stay. We're committed. We're going to be delivering. We've got skeleton crews that are working. We'll bring people back to get your products out there. And then we have to look at, you know, the, the delivery chain. We're on call with our suppliers, and I'm sure you all too. But, you know, eventually my guess is that some people are going to refuse to go to work. And, um, you know, what's deemed an essential service or not. I think some of us could argue, well, you know, we do packaging for food products, for labels. People need food, so we've got to still print that. So that would be an argument I would use. Maybe you're doing some pharmaceutical stuff. Maybe it's public messaging. Um, so I, I think these are all things that we have to think about and, and promote. Um, Jay, Jay, can I, um, I'm going to ask you a question. we got a question. Um, some of what you've talked about, of course, in creating a skeleton crew, and, and the managing layoffs, making sure you're going uh, in a tier or whatever works for you. Um, talking about that, those are some of the steps that uh, we can do now. And also even direct mail, as you just mentioned, it might be an area where people will be, uh, you, you mentioned Omni 
channel marketing where people are getting more responses and click-throughs for their campaigns. What are some of the other things, we got a question, that you might recommend we do right now? I know there's some near-term, future-term advice that you have and are giving us. Are there any um, uh, tips that you have for what else you're doing right now or printers you know are doing right now to help us in this short term? Buy low, sell high. No. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's an excellent question, so I'm not sure who asked it, wherever you're from. But one of the things we've done is we have printer partners across the country. So we have a great printer, Hemlock, in the western coast in Vancouver. We have PDI in Montreal. And we have Cobra Printing uh, in Kitchener-Waterloo now, down near from us. And we're all talking and saying, hey, if you need overload, can we help you out? You know, there's a fear that they're going to shut down maybe the western seaboard where the disease is spreading the most, right? So shops will be possibly forced to close. So I think now is the time more than ever to work on those strategic partnerships. You know, you've probably been at D-Scoop. You probably know some other printers across the country. Never thought you might have to use them before. I would now be contacting as far east, as far west, as far north. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we are all here to survive. We're all here to help each other and at the same time help our clients because our clients need to get their products out. And they may not be doing as much point of sale now, but, you know, when they're open, they're going to need that stuff there. And I think the advantage is, you know, may we offer a small discount to some of our clients that they can give us work over the slower period so that, you know, they don't have to pay a premium when we all start up because there is a risk right now when we start up, whenever that is, that everyone's going to want their job at the same time, they're not going to be able to do it. Uh, there'll be overtime fees and things like that. So I think those are some things you can do. I think definitely talk to your clients. We've got our whole sale force talking to people and saying, you know, you should still think of uh, printing right now because there is a higher open rate. Uh, people are looking for things to read. I think the mail is going to be one of those most important things, uh, believe it or not, going forward. So, you know, relationships with uh, your local postal offices, your supply chains and getting stuff delivered there. Um, even, I mean, let's take worst case scenario. Maybe your paper distributor won't have drivers to come in to pick up the paper. So who in your team can drive a five-ton truck and go pick it up yourself? Um, is there someone closer to there that can you know, work with you or can you rent a truck together? I mean, there's so many people that are geographically near each other, um, which really ties into mergers and acquisitions because now I think is a time more than ever that if you weren't thinking about it, you should think about it. Tell us which, more about that. <laughs> which ties into our next slide called succession planning. Now, I only put this slide here because um, it's got cool pictures and people said this is a skateboard ramp, but it's really not. But um, I thought these stats were alarming. Now, these are Canadian statistics, but I, I do do this talk in the States and around the globe, and pretty well similarly, these numbers are more or less within 5-8% of each other across the globe. Now, the scary thing right now is 40% of small business owners are going to retire in the next five years. That's a big number. It's scary. Second number here, 72%. 72% of business owners are planning to exit within 10 years. Now in Canada, that's $1.5 trillion worth of assets that's gonna change hands. In the US, it's about $10,000. That's just a joke between the low exchange rate. Although it's not that funny, I understand. But if we don't have humor, what do we have, right, Ginger? That is right. Now down here is the number that really should alarm everybody. And you know, when I, I saw these numbers at first, uh, which is I guess about a year ago, I, you know, like anything, we were maybe question what we read. 
um, only 8% of business owners have a formal succession plan. And, uh, you know, when I talk to business owners, and I'm involved in a whole bunch that just started recently because of what's happened with COVID-19, they're now saying, hey, I got to do something. Um, that 8% is pretty realistic. Like most people talk about it, but they don't do anything about it. So this is a really sort of interesting and it's something I, I strongly recommend you, you look into. Let's sort of jump now into mergers and acquisitions. Um, right from the beginning, 50% will fail, which is a really high number. Now here's some of the reasons why I see them failing because I've seen some fail in the case. And I'm going to preface this by saying I do this talk all the time. I have changed these slides because when I used to do this talk, I used to say, don't get someone involved in the middle. That is so wrong now. Um, now you need someone in the middle. And whether it's someone like me as a facilitator or whether it's a, a business friend you have or, or, or someone, you know, your accountant or somebody, you need someone who can tie the emotional a difference between the two of you because it's your business. You built it or you bought it. You know, it's part of your family in a way. Um, and it's very hard to think of it emotionally, let go of that emotional element. And then of course the business element and, you know, the person who's buying, you know, they want to get the best deal possible, but they also want to make sure that it's going to work for them too. So there's so much emotion involved and I really feel this facilitator needs to be in the middle or a lot of these deals, just people get emotional and they say, you know what, I'm going to wait, I'm not going to do it. And I've seen that happen. And I've seen recently, I've been involved in a few things and sometimes people just have hired me just to keep the conversation going between the two. It's like, you know, I think a great example, I know Ginger, we talked about this the other day, you know, I don't know if anybody's heard of divorce. People apparently get divorced. I know, we've never probably heard that term before. But you know, a marriage is a relationship and a business is a business relationship and it's your business partner. And you know, it's not as simple as it sounds. I mean, it's, you have to be, you know, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Um, we think we're right. Uh, we built the thing from the ground up. So we have a different perspective on it, but we have to, you know, let that go and we have to empower people and we have to look at other options. Uh, I had a business partner die uh, many years ago. And I think one of the best advice he gave me is, you know, if you're not sure about something and you're emotionally upset or frustrated, he called it the 24 hour rule and wait 24 hours. Go in the next day and then deal with it. And you know what? It's the best advice uh, you can give anybody because these things are emotional. So That's we look great. through. Our, our m and um, a, 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 a strategy right now as we're in this very uncertain time. I remember you saying if you were thinking about it before, it's still something to think about. But is this a way that you have seen businesses survive during uncertain times? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I call it sort of dating. I mean, you have an opportunity now to talk with your fellow printers or talk with a company you were thinking of merging with to share resources because who knows what's going to happen. And it's, you're, you're dating in a way. You're working together. And then you get an idea of how you're all working, which is a great way to then once this is over to say, you know what? You guys are really helpful during this process. I met some of your team. You met some of my team. Um, I really think we should work together because you've got to be in the same mindset. If you're, you know, and you also have to have roles defined. Whereas, you know, I'm working with two companies right now, I'm working with a few, but one company, the owner is, he just wants to do sales. The other company is a, is a, is a woman and she just wants to manage the company. So this is a great, their, their two strengths complement each other. So, but how do you know that till you do it? So they're actually helping each other right now through this process, which is great. Now, 
um, I'm just going to read a couple of these things here. You know, part of the challenges when you look at these things is the owners have to be involved. Too many times do the owners not get involved and then halfway through the process, the deal dies because they've come in halfway through and they haven't heard all the conversations and all the points pro and negative. So that is important. Of course, there's theoretical versus actual practical valuation. How do you value a company? I mean, gosh, like there are so many different ways. And, and you know, I tell people, you know, it takes five years to set your company up to sell it properly because you have different things. You might be having family members work in the company. You might be having insurance paid for through the company. These are all legal things, but these are things that you need to separate off your books so that you can really show what they're really buying because most likely your family is not going to stay possibly. Um, so it's really important to do with that. The integration process is huge. You know, you have pressmen from one company, you have pressmen from your place, who gets seniority, who do you keep, who do you not keep, can you keep them both, can they do other jobs? Uh, this one is a really important one, cultural integration, and this is something we spend a lot of time on when we merge all the companies that we've brought internally. Um, you've got to get people together, and one of the best ways of doing that is make sure you keep a certain number of people from each operation because people are comfortable with who they work with. If you take one person and bring them to a whole organization, it's pretty hard for that person. They feel lonely. They don't know people. It's always good if you've got a few people together who know each other. And then, you know, just the degrees of autonomy, who does what? Um, so those are really important. Um, very rarely does everything happen the way you plan it. Unfortunately, that's true. And, you know, I would say in some cases, 50% of the sales you'd be lucky if you keep. Because sales are going down in a lot of companies right now, not all, but a lot of them, majority of them, sales are decreasing. Um, so when you do these deals, you have to structure it in a way that's fair for the buyer and seller. So I always put a, a sliding scale there, you know, based on a percentage of sales. So if the sales go up, there's an upside to the seller. The sales go down, there's a downside. It has to work both ways. Um, also, you know, is it a multiple of EBITDA? I don't think you can go by that right now because most people are barely breaking even. And if not, they're making a small profit. So is it profitability? Is it, you know, all these things you have to look at. One of the things I think people forget when they're doing an M&A is, is we always think it's about the sales. And of course the sales are important. We want more sales. But equally important is people. And I think we're all faced with this challenge in the next five to 10 years. And I speak at high schools and I speak at colleges and universities. And I always, no matter what country, and I said, you know, hey, how many people want to run a machine? Raise your hand. Very few people raise their hand. And this is going to be a challenge getting a workforce to run equipment for us in a few years. And I think the interesting thing is, you know, the olden days of printing presses where you had messy ink, sometimes rubber bands holding them together in the days of multi-list and things like that. But, you know, with automation and computers, I mean, it's a relatively clean, complex as you want it job where you're using your brain. You need to have computer skills. And uh, they, they pay well. So it's a great profession. We should have people lining up for this, but we don't. So we have to figure a way as an, or as an industry how to start encouraging them or because unfortunately a lot of the colleges are closing. And there's a huge amount of people out there who are good with their hands, who are, you know, very good with their phones. Uh, you know, you always have, I think of that joke where, you know, there's an adult, uh, he's sitting there, I can't get my phone working. And there's an eight-year-old kid says, hey, let me try. And the eight-year-old kid does it and gets it there and goes, okay, thanks, son. Um, but there's truth to that, right? Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting times for sure. Um, making sure you lock in the salespeople. <laughs> I, this, is, this happened to me, one of the first acquisitions I did. I just assumed 
when we bought the company, everybody would stay. And then literally within two weeks, the top sales guy went to the competition. So that didn't work out too good for us. So, you know, we put things in place for that now. We have to really, before we finalize the deal, we agree on the price and everything. Then we have to go talk and meet with the salespeople and lock them in. And this sometimes can be a challenge because if you have the top salesperson, they know they're valuable. They might, you know, try to cut a deal with you. So, you know, you really want to work on that ahead of time. Lock the client accounts in, you know. Trying to get into a new client these days is almost impossible. And I, and I say that in the terms of, you know, with less receptionists, with more security in buildings, you can't just go and call on someone like you used to. You really need referrals and, you know, it, it's tough as you all know. Um, and not everybody has those skill sets. The next, next thing is, um, you know, not only that, is make sure you have non-compete with your owners. I had a situation where uh, we had bought a company there were two owners. Uh, we did obviously non-compete with the one we didn't do with the other because they were in another country and we were told they weren't coming back. Well, they came back and they took a third of the business back when they came back and there was nothing we could do. So these are things you don't think about. I mean, the advantage of using someone else is we've been through this. So we see this, do your due diligence. You know, we talk about due diligence all the time, but you know, we all as, as printers and maybe designers and uh, people in the communication industry, we have to act really fast. And sometimes we skip a few corners. So one thing we do now is if you're buying a company, go in there and I want you to go and randomly pick dockets out and look at those dockets and see what it would cost you to do those jobs in your facility and then see how that ties into what they're doing there and see what the profitability levels are and pick like a good number of them and from small jobs to large jobs. Um, and you need to pick some of them randomly because of course they're going to give you the best ones. Uh, Jay, can I ask you a, a quick question? Of all the companies that you manage, uh, you know, that are part of the CJ group of companies, did you, were you doing mergers and acquisitions at any point during a time like this? Or is the timing uh, typically when, the, when uh, things are getting better? or right at the start of a crisis like this? I was just curious. I know there's, what, 35 companies that are still, you have all of them. You're running all of them still, correct? Yeah, except number 33. They've always been a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's an excellent question. I mean, in my experience and what I to talk to, it's, it's generally uh, bad times when these happen because people are looking at their costs. And, you know, I, I think... You know, I'll just back step one step. And I think as humans, you know, we, um, I'm pretty sure everybody's human on this call, right? We didn't get any. No robots. Or, okay, good. Um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we, we were so optimistic, you know, it's going to turn around, it's going to turn around and they do. But I think sometimes we just wait too long. Um, or, you know, my son's going to run the business. Uh, well, does your, your son want to run the business? You know, uh, I've been involved with companies where, I know the kids don't want to run the business, but the parents don't want to admit that. And then they wait too long. So I find generally from my experience, and, and it's funny you say that, over 80% of the acquisitions we've done are during a recession or during a during time in the economy or some other significant situation. Like that Eastern Seaboard one, the phone was ringing off the hook. It, it's crazy. So, and I think that's not because just it's economic hard times. I think because people realize, wow, you know what? Do I really want to be doing this? And if you don't like what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. So it's much better to, you know, close it down and sell it out. Um, there is always a value in any business. It's just a matter of if you think that value is worth it to you. 
sometimes people want their name to keep on going and that's really important to them. They've got a tradition and I think that's important too. So, you know, we put that into the deals. That's why a lot of those names still exist there. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So that's an excellent question. And I'll go to the next slide. There's 112 slides if you're wondering and we're on slide 21. Just kidding. Um, you got to spend time and money, make sure it works for you because this is an expensive process. Not by me, I don't charge a lot, but some people charge a lot of money. So hopefully if you can get someone you know and knows you. Um, I really believe, as I said before, you need someone between the buyer and the seller, especially now more than ever. Um, you need someone who can be objective. And the last four deals I've done, um, I've had printers call me. Now I've, I've known some of them. And what I tell them, as I said, here's a suggestion I'll make. Don't hire me. Call the other printer. You guys hire me together so I can be 100% objective for both of you. And I think it's just a better way to do it. Because if one of you hires me and the other one, then it's, it's going to be a little bit of biased, even though you're not supposed to be, but it's just human nature, right? So I always think that's a great way if you can do that. And it also splits the cost between both of you. It puts you both in the game. And I think that's great. Most of the time, 90% of these deals I do, I have them do it to our charitable foundation uh, so they can get an expense for a sponsorship. And it's a win-win. So it doesn't go to me personally. helps the kids. Um, historical listing sales are really important because you need to go back five years and look at what's happening. Like, are the sales declining? And are they declining in specific areas? Which I'm sure they are. And I'm sure we're seeing. You know, the, the sad part about stats out there right now is the stats are only as good as people who are putting the information in. And I'm sure like me and most people, you guys are unsubscribing every hour to things because we just don't have the time. I mean, I had one the other day, please fill out the survey. It'll only take you 20 minutes. Like seriously, right now you want me to spend 20 minutes doing a survey. That's not going to happen. You know, make it two or three questions, make them simple. Uh, research with breakdown of clients by percentage of sales. You know, what industries are they in? We typically in our own organization try to, have specialties in different industries that are throughout the different times of the year and survive different things um, so that we can make sure we're kind of busy all the time, whether it's summer, fall, spring, winter. Um, I always put this line at the bottom here because I think it's uh, so true is we no longer can think of ourselves as printers. We need to reinvent ourselves. You know, we're really communication solutions people. And you know, what's happening now, regardless of COVID-19, just in the last few years, people are cutting their costs. Um, we're working longer hours and I tell people all the time philosophically we should be able to raise our feet on our desk and and take a little more time off but like myself and a lot of you we're working harder than we ever working is it right no but it's the way the world is right now and if people can't get on that program that's a challenge and I see that with certain people out there oh you know don't worry it'll get better oh no you have to control it and make it better you've got to make a difference you got to get out there um, so, you know, with clients, they're looking for people who can do everything for them. So if you look at some of the large organizations right now, they're getting these massive contracts because they can do everything and they don't have to deal with multiple suppliers. So this is another reason to look at M&A so you can, you know, make yourself a bigger organization. Um, Jay, we have a couple of questions. I wonder if we can jump in with some of those uh, sure. regarding uh, the economic downturn. Uh, in 2008, for example, uh, they were wondering in the years following where, where, when there's an upturn, does that represent an opportune time to exit and capitalize on what you built? Or is that perhaps a time to rethink selling? Um, what so that, might that's an happen? excellent question. Um, 
So certainly that did happen a lot in, in that uh, decade. But I think now we're all a little smarter, or I hope we're a little smarter. And I would question, you know, why are they selling and determine that. And if they are just trying to cash out, you have to protect yourself. Because what was happening is there was, there was I remember I did a deal in New York and the company was very successful that year and a couple of years before. But was that going to be the same after the new owners took over? Like, we don't know that. We assume it, but we know historically that doesn't happen. So historically, you would buy the company right outright, pay them half up front and half like in 60 days of closing. Now we're telling people to spread it over three years. Well, owners don't like that. Well, why don't they like that? They don't like that because, well, they want to get their money now, make sure they're guaranteed to get it. Okay, well, wait a minute. I understand that. But to the seller, they also want to make sure they get a business that's viable. So it has to work for both parties. And, uh, you know, it has to be reasonable. And, you know, I think that's what's changed now to before. So um, anytime is a good time to sell, I guess, theoretically, but it's only worth what it's worth. And if it's worth something, you'll get paid that. But you're not going to get it paid all up front. That, those days are gone. It's so just, even, even when you see the upturn, it's still a negotiation across more years today. Yeah. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule, of course, but I would, what I've seen and what I hear from my colleagues and fellow printers out there is none of these things turn out like they're supposed to. And, you know, you need to protect yourself and, you know, there has to be an upside downside for both parties. And if both people aren't going to have skin in the game or whatever you want to call it, it's probably not a good deal. I mean, you know, and, that, yeah. you know and, and even, you know, let's, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that happened to me was terrible and I can't mention names here, but if you call me, I'll tell you. Um, we purchased a company off of a large company and um, it was not a lot of money, um, but we had to take, take on some debt. We had to buy some equipment, but we were doing this because they were locked into a major corporation, million dollar account had it for years. It was perfect, right? It was great. This is fantastic. This is, this, this makes total business sense. Had all our T's dotted, everything there, lawyers involved, da, da, da. Within 24 hours of the deal closing, the major client sent us a notice that unfortunately, as per the agreement with the previous owner, if the company sold, they have the right to withdraw their business. Well, we didn't see that coming. Why would we see it coming? <laughs> Um, so I don't even know. I mean, now, of course, we know how to protect yourself on things like that. But I mean, there are things that just happen that you just can't imagine. And, you know, you don't want to think worst case scenario, but you really have to go into these. So I think that's advantage of using someone in the middle, whether it's myself or whoever. So objectively, they can challenge everybody. And then it's not like you asking, because if you ask some of these questions, the other person is going to be defensive. It's just human nature, you know. So, yeah, there's, there's an excellent question. So, but again, um, I mean, realistically, yeah, if it was an upturn, you, you're more, more likely to get more money possibly, I guess. Yes. So we are starting to get some questions. Uh, I think Jay has some humorous slides here for uh, sort of an interstitial here. And so, then I'm going to ask, uh, I'll start to ask these questions. Everybody, if you have specific questions, as Jay's motto is, no question is off limits. He's candid, as you've seen. And uh, we can talk about, uh, there's one here about how you're setting up your staff, Jay. Uh, you mentioned that your admin staff is all working from home now, is that? So we've, we've, uh, we've uh, put VPNs and set everybody up. Our IT department has been working around the clock. So we've got our 
estimating our accounting, our HR, our production. Uh, we call them project managers. You might call them CSRs. Um, all of those people, all our salespeople, and since last week have been working out of home. Um, as you all know, within, I guess, 12 hours ago, the U.S.-Canadian border has been closed, uh, except for non-essential stuff. Um, so you can't cross the borders now unless you're delivering a product or something, which means that'll only get theoretically worse as we go on. Um, my personal uh, story is really sad right now because my wife is trapped in Peru. They've got martial law there. They can't even leave their homes. Uh, we almost had her out, but they shut down the airport. Um, just imagine being stuck in another country where you can't even get out with your loved ones. I mean, it's just, it's very difficult. Um, so I won't answer any questions about my wife, but I will answer anything else. Uh, she's lovely of her. I miss her. I hope so you, so you, well, we, we hope she gets home safely soon. So, but, and you have set up your staff. What are some of the um, implementations for making sure your team is still cohesive, communicating, delivering? I know some people weren't even used to working from home probably. So what are you have any tips for us as we help manage our virtual teams now? So, you know, this is something that's unprecedented as far as I'm concerned. We've never seen anything like this in the world. Um, that, yeah, that certainly we've been all alive. And I mean, you know, but, you know, you think of, you know, our parents or our grandparents were in wars and shot people, right? And we, we haven't faced that sort of stuff, right? So there's all sorts of different things going on right now. But um, we talk twice a day. We have uh, set up... Um, specific times for people to call in. We have our management meetings. We are rotating so that we always have a few people in the office. We have people from the plant separate from people here. We still have some clients who want to come in for press approvals. Um, wow. So we give them a separate boardroom. We have that cleaned before and after. Um, the sales rep or production person will bring the press sheet into the boardroom. They look at it there. They talk from a distance apart. I mean, we're doing everything we can, gloves, masks. You know, it's crazy, right? But the work has to go on, right? Um, you need to, the, the constant thing I keep telling people is, you know, we're not getting rid of you. We want you back here. When this is all sorted out, everything will be back to normal, whatever normal is. Um, but I think one thing is going to be very interesting from all of this. And one thing I, you know, we typically don't want people to work from home. But I think what you're going to see is people can work from home. Now, how you compensate them and how you do that, that'll be a separate thing. But one thing that's going to come out of all of this is how much you can really do from home and on your laptop or on a computer. Um, so that's interesting. I'm going to share a couple of slides just because I think they're sort of funny. There's 28 of them. No, there's not. There's three. So the world has changed. So you got these two kids looking at this. It's called a book. Not sure where the batteries go. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is crazy, right? But it's so true in some ways, right? I love this one. Oh, come on, stick it right here. So not only is he talking to the dog, but he's actually asking the dog not to use his GPS to go find the stick. I mean, that's <laughs> just, I, I think that's funny. So humor um, for sure. Is you gotta have humor. If you don't have humor, like if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, I, I'll tell you, I have a joke hotline. So if you email me, I, I can sign you up for it. It's jay at cjgraphics.com. Our hotline is doubled in the last 48 hours. We are now, I think, in 125 countries and uh, 390 cities, and we're up to 30,000 people. Like, it's crazy. So I send a joke a day, and I mean nothing offensive by it, no disrespect. It's just 
funny things people send me. So this is well, can, can we, um, can Here's we the last one. Oh, sorry. I don't care if your friend has a flight simulator, you're not going to learn to fly on your own. I mean, that's hilarious, right? Right. Well, we're going to I'll, the, do, uh, I'll do one last thing because okay. that'll be finished and then we can do our Q&A. So this is something for people to think about. I'm going to show you a little video, just two minutes. It was by our national uh, television network that did a story on me. And it's talking about some of my philanthropic stuff. And the only reason I'm going to show this is they did a great job and it gives you a little more perspective. But some of this is now turning into business. And what I mean by that is we all might have a hobby that we like. For me, it's skateboarding. Maybe for you, it's skiing. Maybe it's golf. Maybe it's fishing. Uh, maybe it's bowling. I've been to printing companies that have some of these in their facilities. Now, everybody thinks it's crazy. I mean, we have the world's largest skate park attached to our facility. But the thing about it is relationships with your clients are so important. People don't have time now to go out to dinner. Well, right now, no one's going out to dinner, but people don't have time for these things. Um, but, you know, maybe they want to learn to fish or maybe they want to learn to golf and they can't golf, but you can take them and show them that. These are invaluable things that, A, you both can have fun at. You're not doing it to get business. You're doing it because you actually enjoy it. And it just turns into more business opportunities. So I'm just going to quickly play this for you. It's not every day you see the CEO of a company riding the rails or pulling a 360 on a ramp, but that's exactly what Jay Mandarino does. And why? Because skateboarding changed his life, and he's using his successful graphics business to help others who have life struggles to experience the joy of skateboarding. When I was nine years old, I attempted suicide. I had no self-esteem. I couldn't read or write. I was told I was stupid. I'd go to the front of the classroom and read. Everyone would laugh at me. It was just a terrible situation. I got tested and tested. I finally got institutionalized. I was put on Ritalin. And uh, thank God my parents never gave up on me. They pulled me out. We finally found a doctor who figured out ADHD and dyslexia. My parents sold their home. I went to a private school in the States. And at that school was the first time I felt normal. My best friend taught me to skateboard, and skateboarding just changed my whole life. Inside of this huge facility, we have three buildings that are attached, just under a quarter million square feet, and one of those buildings is designated to our skate park. I teach there on Saturdays. We're the world's largest indoor not-for-profit skate park. Our Kids Being Kids, which is our program for kids and their family affected by cancer, which is free. We have a blind and vision impaired program for blind and vision impaired people, which is amazing. This tech deck, which is also known as a fingerboard, simulates a real skateboard. Kids use them to practice their tricks. But with the blind and vision impaired, what I've come up with is I show them with their fingers where to place their feet. And then we do that on the fingerboard and we get them used to that. Then when we get them on the skateboard, it sort of all comes together. We've got uh, an autistic program, we've got, uh, you know, any sort of challenge someone has, we can sort of mold program and combine it with skateboarding or scooter riding, which is great for self-esteem. People say, like, why do you do this? You know, that you're probably losing money every day. And, you know, I think it's my way of giving back and also what I went through. I would never want another child to go through that. <laughs> And when you see these kids and, you know, they come in maybe shy or maybe scared, they want to do it or don't want to try it, and they're smiling at the end of it, it's just, uh, it's amazing, making a difference in someone else's life. And CJ Skate Park is located in Mississauga and is open every day of the week.
Jay, thank you so much for sharing your, honestly, your candidness and the ability to share what you know and what you're thinking about right now is so important. I want to ask you one of the questions that just came in was, are there, how do you handle customers that signed contracts but canceled projects? You, you mentioned that, that some people are canceling their projects or postponing them. Are you working on any unique contract extension ideas? So this, yeah, you and I talked about this yesterday. We haven't shared with the audience. So we are being faced now with um, people, we, I don't know how many cases now, but yesterday I think we were up to 10 where they canceled their program. Um, so any new quotations that are going out right now, we've actually put a clause in that says, um, we plan on producing this project for you. It'll be ready next amount of weeks. If we cannot get into your facility to deliver it, you will still have to pay for this project. We in the last week have been delivering stuff to some of our clients and they're not open. Well, you know, that's extra delivery charges and some companies just aren't going to be open. And they're, you know, if they don't have the goods, they don't have to pay for it under some laws, right? So you really got to put that up front. Um, you know, people panic, unfortunately, as you can see in the stores and, you know, this, I don't know if you've had it down there, but the toilet paper, we're going to run out of toilet paper. We're not going to run out of toilet paper. It's, you know, it's just crazy. Um, but, um, you know, we are telling people that, you know, we need some deposits, uh, any, any new accounts, there's no exceptions. There's no credit right now. I think you've got to be firm on that. If you're buying product, you don't want to be stuck and find out. We had a huge campaign that they actually stopped. Now, luckily, you know, a lot of our clients are good clients and they're going to pay them. But we, we've, <laughs> we received four emails yesterday that people said, due to the economic turndown in the current situation, we unfortunately aren't going to pay any bills till this is sorted out. Like, really? Are you getting so, um, advice from legal counsel or other people that maybe in a few weeks you can share with us? We'll put it on dscoop.com, how you're handling it, how it's going. So, you know, I spoke more to lawyers in the last three days than I have in the last four years. Um, and, you know, this is all unprecedented. It's all new ground, right? Until our leaders uh, give guidance and, and tell us what's going to go on, it's, it's crazy right now. You don't know what you don't know. You know, how are they going to support small business? How are they, you know, I know in certain states and certain countries, they're saying any mortgage payments, any loan payments are going to be frozen. Uh, working with the banks, but you know, how long can they do that? I mean, there was one I saw the other day, someone phoned me up and they said, Hey, it says that, you know, we can call our bank to discuss not paying payments. Like, really? Do you really think your bank's going to do that? I mean, yeah, in some cases, but you know, there no bank in their right mind is just going to say, you know, they'll work with you. I'm sure. Absolutely. Especially if you're a good customer. But you know, I, I think, <laughs> You know, when I see someone say you call your bank and work it out with them, to me, that's like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> so there's, there's, some, uh, there's some stipulations here. Um, I think you have to be really careful going forward. Uh, you're bringing people in to do work. You need to pay them. You need, people need to, you know, and, and people still need to do their work. Like, let's face it. Um, business is going to go on for a lot of things. Obviously, the restaurant business, uh, movie business, uh, any, any sort of retail outlets, gyms, all that stuff. I mean, you know, the saddest thing was closing down our skate park. It was very emotional. I had to let 30 people go that are, you know, making nothing. And for them to survive is very hard. Um, and I, I wanted to share with everybody, there are some specific questions here that you have about what you might do if uh, someone in your plant is exposed to COVID-19 or diagnosed. 
because we're not in the medical field, we are going to gather and we already have links and information on dscoop.com. We'll put it out in our newsletters and social media for you to get the best source of information. And also, uh, even in contracts and legal issues, we're gathering that kind of information to be able to share with you. So I know that everybody's hurting right now and very concerned. And uh, we're, we're, again, gathering together our resources as well as um, printers and partners to share what they are finding over the next you know, few weeks, few months, and what they've done in the past. So please, you know, we'll, we'll be able to share with you as much as we can, knowing that we don't always have uh, the right information right now or that area of expertise medically, for example. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you have someone you think is in danger or working with, they should not be in your facility. We are, we are discouraging anybody to come to our facility if someone's delivering something, uh, you know, we have all the hand solutions at the front door. They got to fill out a form before they come here. And there's three questions on there now. Uh, we have to change one of the questions every week. Uh, we were listing if you'd been to one of these countries in the last 14 days, uh, yes or no. And now it's any country. Uh, you know, it was eight countries, six. Was, the list has been growing. So now we just put any countries. That has to be filled out. We were really discouraging anybody coming. Um, obviously, you know, mechanics to repair things and do that stuff. We're trying to, you know, go around the clock. And so the least amount of people are there at one time, no groups, obviously bring your own lunch. We had a cafeteria, we shut that down. Um, and I know a lot of people have been waiting to lay people off and I know it's very emotional, but do it now because some of these people may not even be able to get in. I have a terrible feeling. It's just going to take forever to get processed. Uh, in Canada, they have streamlined the process. I know in the U.S., some of the states have too. Um, I don't know about other countries, but you know, it's uh, you know, it's. I really, again, we all need to get the message out there. You shouldn't stop printing. You still need to promote, and people are, are going to read it more than they would before. So these are all positive things. What's another question? Uh, let's see. Somebody was talking about. Um, unfortunately, they're now in a situation where they have lost a large percentage of their revenue, 50% overnight due to the crisis. And I know that's probably a super tough question to ask, Jay, um, but they're just wondering what can they practically do right now? Um, I will say this before you answer, we, we have started to see some, uh, a list of government interventions for different industries. We're gonna post that later today. I'll share a link with all of the attendees. I haven't um, seen it specifically about our industry. So every, every time we find something, we will post that information for you. But Jay, that's one of the questions. And, you know, we obviously feel for, for our printers and our partners. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you're not a member of PIA or SGIA, which have now merged, I mean, I think this is something we need them to be finding out specifically to our industry because our industry... I'm not sure where the stats are, but I would say in North America, we're in the top 10, I would think, you know, including forestry, manufacturing, printing, graphics, all of that is a big number. It's a big workforce. 50% uh, sounds horrific, and it is. Um, I imagine most of us will be that in the next couple of days, sadly. Um, and I think it's only going to get worse before it gets better. That's why we all need to send the message out there put brochures out, mail them, do your own, talk about, you know, the benefits of this, really work together. Um, 
work with your fellow printers. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it, these are challenging times and it's, you know, there's no right or wrong answer, but stopping printing isn't going to make the problem go away. People need to be informed. And, you know, interesting what you said uh, about, um, you know, we keep hearing fake news and we keep hearing different things and, uh, and who knows what to believe, right? So it would be good to get some good stats out there and maybe that's something you mail out, you know. Hey, this is ABC Printing Company, just so you know. We are still operating. We are happy to take care of your business. Here are some of the latest things on COVID-19, if you're not aware, and here's what we're doing. Um, so, you know, we're also noticing that people are reading more now because, you know, there's less information out there. Um, so, you know, I think we have to look at the positives and really work on those. And, you know, again, people will need to print some of these products later. So maybe they can start printing them now. You know, maybe you give a couple longer terms. Now, the, the reality is 50% of your sales go. If you have not reduced your sales force, um, you know, if you don't own your building, I would get an immediate meeting with your landlords and see if you can negotiate any leases. And I think you've got to be straight with them. I mean, the reality is we don't know how long this is going to be. So let's take worst case scenario. Say it's like a year, which I know sounds crazy, but let's just say it's a year before this ramps up. Well, you're not going to survive in a year. So does that landlord want you to go out of business? I mean, everybody's going to have to absorb something here. Um, and I think people understand what's going on. This is not a scam. This is a reality. And we've never been faced with something like this in the history of this planet. So people have to be human and compassionate. And yeah, we're probably not going to make money this year. That's a given. Uh, we're going to lose money. Um, you know, and, you know, work with your local city councillors, your, your states uh, in, the, in the U.S., with your states and provinces, provincial and federally. Um, work with, you know, have, there should probably be a staff member. If they're looking for something to do, be going on every website, finding what grants are on there, get on there, because there's going to be relief. It's just a matter of who gets there first, probably. Uh, and, and, and try not to give up. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's talk to anybody you're paying cost to and see what terms you can work out because, um, you know, if they don't work with you, you have a great chance of losing your business. And we're talking 50% right now, you know, they close those borders down, uh, permanently and airfare uh, airlines and ban everything. Like it could be a huge number. And Jay, we have, uh, one more question here. And they're asking when you lay people off, how are you supporting them financially? Are you still paying salaries, partial salaries that you, and if that's a private question, feel free to uh, not disclose. So it's an excellent question and we put a lot of thought into it. So every country and every state is different. I, I just got to state that. So what we've done here in Canada may not be the same as you're going to do. So just, you know, talk to your labor lawyer. Um, there's lots of free stuff out there of saying what's going on as well. Um, but what we, in Canada, when you lay someone off, you don't have to be paying benefits anymore. We chose to continue to pay the benefits, um, because we just think it's the right thing to do. Like everyone's taking a hit here. I just, you know, uh, I think you got to do that. Now, some people won't be able to do that. And depending on the size of your company and, and how much you want to put in, cause you, there will be losses. That's a decision you have to make, but I think that the more you can do for your staff uh, and remind them, um, you know, that this is not your choice. You know, you didn't ask your clients to stop sending you work. If they, I think everybody understands the seriousness of the situation. They're going to be a little more compassionate, but I think at the end of it, they'll remember that you did things that you didn't need to do. And that will be a positive thing because if they were thinking of going to another company, possibly, 
now they might go, you know what? This company stood by me. They helped me as much as they could. I'm going to stay. So I think that's an important thing. Um, but it's, it's tough. You know, there's, um, there's also what we're being faced with it's on the same terms is that uh, we have uh, in Canada, so we have long-term disability, which the employee has to pay 100% so that it doesn't become a taxable benefit to them. Um, because if we paid for it, then they'd be taxed on it. This way they're not. I think it's somewhere in the States, but I don't remember 100%, to be honest with you. But some of them are thinking of not doing that because they're not going to be able to afford it. I am begging them to say, do not cancel this. Like, you know, if you want me to lend you the money or something, we will, you know, do that on an individual basis uh, as much as we can. Because I think now more than ever, this is not something you want to cut out um, because something horrific might happen. You might, you know, who knows, right? Like, you just, you got to be safe. You got to keep your family safe. Uh, we got to keep going and we will. And, um, you know, I, I feel for everybody out there. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the one thing is we're all in this together. Like this is affecting everybody. I don't care if you're a billion dollar company, if you're a $10,000 company, whether you're printing, whatever industry. And I think the more we uh, do these webcasts and I hope you guys have got some benefit from this, we should continue to do them and, you know, send some topics to Ginger and what you want to hear because we've got this huge network around the globe and we all can share information and it's real information as opposed to what the media is telling us because the media, you know, Oh, are we gone? We're back. Yeah. I was just, you introduced a, a topic that I think is important, Jay. And, uh, there uh -oh, are, did, I, did I read what you were going to say? Oh no. no, no, it's fine. I was just, uh, going to let you know, everybody know that. I think, you know, we all know really what's going on out there. The media doesn't. They jump to conclusions. They make it worse. Let's reach out to our global partners, printers that we've met at Drupa. You know, and again, as, as I said earlier, for people who are just coming in now, I love that Drupa called it postponing instead of canceling. I think we have to use these positive words as opposed to negative words. You know, cancel, cancel. Listen, we've postponed it. We're going to do this program, but we're just going to postpone it till the spring. Oh, for D-Scoop, you mean D-Scoop uh, versus Drupa. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, that's, that, I mean, I can't imagine the losses that they're going to entail, you know. I'm, I know, I, I will add a little story. This is the first year I ever booked a hotel and guaranteed the hotel, so um, I don't know what's going to happen. I might be going to Germany in June. <laughs> and, uh, well, Jay, I certainly thank you. All of us, thank you. Uh, I don't know if you addressed, uh, there is one one other question about suppliers and vendors. I think uh, maybe you uh, were talking about how to ask them, be, be uh, transparent with them, how they might be able to help you now. If we did not get to your question or you think of questions in the days coming, please feel free to post on our Collaborate forums on dscoop.com. You can send your questions to hello at dscoop.org. Uh, we have a hotline we've, uh, we're standing up. Our goal is to respond to you within four hours or sooner. We're monitoring all questions and comments, all topics. If you see something you think we should share or you have a dire uh, need to connect, we also have our, um, our directory where you can find people and we are standing by to help connect everybody as well. We're adding new webcasts each week, next Tuesday, next Thursday, and in between, as I said, we'll post resources. Um, and we are all of you are in our thoughts. Our community is here for you and you all are here for each other. So thank you for attending today. And Jay, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your advice and what you're doing right now and in the future. 
Thank you. And everybody else too.